A reading from the Epistle to the Romans, the fifth chapter beginning with the first verse. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. June 19th, 2005 was my very first Sunday as a United Methodist pastor. That's kind of close to today, isn't it? Just one day off from being 12 years. I've now been a pastor A few days longer than I was an architect. That's hard to believe. But that first Sunday, I preached my first sermon as a pastor. Now, I had preached before. But I promise you that preaching to people is easier when you don't have to come back the next week. So going out as a lay speaker and letting pastors go on vacation and covering for them is a little bit easier because I wasn't ever going to see them people again. Unless they invited me back. And if they invite me back, Norma, they must have liked it, right? But if they don't invite you back, you know, who knows? (laughs) But when you get appointed to a church, you have to come back, the bishop says. You can't just go one Sunday and decide, well, I can't do this and not come back. So I decided to choose my text very carefully that week. You hear me, church? You got to do that, right? Because you want to make sure people show up the next week because you got to come back. Bishop already said that. So, for that first Sunday as a pastor, I also had the, the, the wonderful experience of it being my very first Father's Day. The first one I had ever experienced. Our daughter had been with us for two months, and I was already madly in love with her. And I was excited about Father's Day, excited about that first sermon. And so I picked a story about God telling a father to kill his son. <laughs> What's wrong with me, I think, now, Right? It seemed really appropriate at the time. 
And I'm going to tell you why, but it's in Genesis 22, and, and the very first verse says that after these things, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. And this is what God said to him. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains that I shall show you. I picked that text for my very first Father's Day. I had four other choices, I seem to recall. (laughs) But I picked that one. I learned something from that. I learned something from that. And that's what I want to share with you because I think it relates to being able to read what Paul writes to us in his letter to the Romans. At first glance... Preaching that text on Father's Day, right, might really seem like a dumb idea, especially if you have to come back the next week, right? But there's always another way to see things. And I'll give you an example. There was a woman who was walking down her hallway one morning. She had just gotten dressed and she was walking to the kitchen. And as she passed the bathroom, she just happened to glance out of the corner of her eye and see her husband doing something in the bathroom. And she stopped and she looked. And he was standing on the bathroom scales and he was sucking his gut in. And she stopped and just shook her head and looked at her husband and said, that's pitiful. You know that won't help, right? And he looked back at her and said, it's the only way I can see the numbers. (laughs) Sometimes we have to do something to ensure that we can see the numbers. Sometimes we need something else to help us see. Now I want to say right off that if you read the rest of Genesis 22, you cannot come to this and say that God intended Abraham to kill Isaac. Because God stopped Abraham, right? Right when he had the knife up, when he was about to take his son's life, God stopped him. So we can't come to that and think God's horrible because God was going to let Abraham kill Isaac. He wasn't. I think what God wanted was for us to know how much God loves us that God was willing to give His own Son the way that He asked Abraham to give His Son. And that's why I picked that ridiculous text on a Father's Day. Because it speaks to a father's heart about love for children, but not all fathers, because some fathers fail, right? I won the lottery on parents. I know that. But I've had friends whose dads were just mean to them. What do they do on Father's Day? What are those people who's never met their father? What about people who've had fathers who have have beaten them? What about people who have been abused by the father? What do we do with them? What do we say to them? What do they hear when we call God Father? How do we redirect that? How do we re-understand it? I think this text gives us a way into that. Because it shows us the true love of a father. The true love of a father's heart is to give up anything for that father's children. Anything that comes between that father and the child. And that's what God was willing to do for us. To have God's own son experience death. And just like I know that God wasn't going to let Abraham go through with killing Isaac, I know that God intended to raise Jesus as soon as Jesus came into the world. That God's intent was that His son would die, but He would raise His son because of His love for the son and His love for us. 
But if we bring that story of Abraham to what Paul has written to us, it gives us a deeper meaning for when it says that Christ, that God loved us while we were God's enemies. That even while we were hostile to God, not God hostile to us, because God had already decided from the origin of time, Paul says, from the very beginning to give Christ for us. God loved us from the beginning and loved us all the way through, but we were God's enemies. We were hostile to God. Eve and Adam couldn't be satisfied with who they are. They wanted to be more like God, so they fell into sin. And ever since then, humanity has been shaking its fist at God, saying, we're not satisfied with you, we want more. While we were hostile to God, while we were enemies of God, while we were not living as God's children, while we were the child that took the inheritance and ran off, while we were the child that disrespected the parents, while we were the child that did everything but what the parent asked us to do, the parent, the parent gave His own life for us in His Son, whom we call Jesus. When we come to the story of Abraham carrying Isaac up that mountain and we're met by the absurdity of it, when we're met by that gut-wrenching hurt of thinking of taking our own child's life, when we're met by that choice, that distinct moment of realizing Abraham's grief that he must have felt, it gives us a way to understand how much God loves us that God was willing to do that for us. Even even when we were ignoring God and had no thought for God at all. God loved us that way. And so Paul says to us, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. God proves His love for us in this. While we were still disobedient, while we still weren't listening, while we still didn't care what God had to say, while we were committed to sin, while we were committed to chasing everything in the world but God, the Son of God died for us. The story of the testing of Abraham helps us see the numbers on the scale. It helps us see the weight of what God has done for us. And that's why Paul can say to us that when we suffer, we can have hope. Because we know how much God loves us. I had a pastor that used to say this thing that you know, I used to think it was silly, but now I love it. Um, in the shape, form of a cross, he would ask us, how much does God love you? And he would spread his arms like Jesus nailed to the cross, and he would say, this much. And, you know, that seems kind of shallow and weird till you think about what children say when you ask them, how much do you love me? And what do they do? They stretch out their hands and say, this much. Because it's how they express something that's bigger than they know how to express. The story of Abraham carrying Isaac up that mountain opens our eyes to the depth of God's love because it helps us see what it means when Christ spreads His arms for us and God says, I love you this much. This proves my love for you. 
I love you this much. To carry my own son up this mountain at Golgotha, at Calvary, outside of Jerusalem, and offer him up for you. I love you this much. And Paul would have us know that that can transform our sufferings in this life. Because we know that no matter what, God loves us. If our earthly fathers have disappointed us or hurt us in any way, if they've abused us, if they've let us down, we can turn to the cross and know that our Father in heaven loves us no matter what. That He loved us even when we were His enemies. I don't know how that falls for you, but in my heart it falls as good news. To know that nothing I can do can cause the God of Israel to stop loving me. Nothing I can do can outweigh His love for me. This Father's Day, take hold of that for yourself. God gave His Son for you when you were hostile to God. Because God loves you. And since we know what God has done, dear ones, we have hope. Because we know that whatever God will do for us in the future will be done out of love. Out of the same love that gave His only begotten Son. And so I ask you, how should we respond to that? Should we keep it quiet or should we tell others about this God who loves even His enemies enough to die for them? Should we be ashamed of it or should we shout it to our neighbors? How do we respond to that love? The love of the outstretched arms of a son. Carry those thoughts into your week, dear ones. As you encounter people for whom love is a stranger. People who think there's no one in this world or in this universe who cares whether they live or breathe or die. Somewhere in the midst of your life is a person who doubts their father ever loved them. Somewhere in the midst of your life is a person who has given up on being whole. Somewhere in the midst of your life is a person who thinks they are unlovable and uncared for. But out of the story of Abraham and the letter to the Romans, dear ones, you know differently. And for that, I give God thanks. Amen.